Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello everyone, this is Jamila Jamil. I am reporting to you from a pandemic and uh, I am in self-isolation as I am sh- sure and I hope so are you, but uh, I feel like this is the perfect time to release a podcast because we all need any excuse that we can get to uh, stay away from other people, uh, even people living in our houses, even if we don't think they have corona, even if we just want to get away from their personalities for a while. And so I'm bringing you this escape uh, that is not just for me, but it's also for you. Uh, One of the things that I think we need most right now is some feeling of direction when it comes to our mental health. I know that that's the thing that I feel most tested on at the moment and I I can see from the timelines and watching my friends start to already fray at the edges and we're only in week two of the quarantine and we don't know how long this is going to go on. Uh, People are really struggling and they're, they're no longer busy with work. They're no longer able to distract themselves the way they once were. We're really having to confront our inner demons and confront our past or confront our eating issues or our body issues. And so during this dark time, I feel as though there is no one more suited to cheer all of us up than my guest today, who is Beanie Feldstein from Booksmart, from Ladybird, and the soon to come out, is that how you say it? Fuck it. I don't know. How to Build a Girl by Catelyn Moran. Uh, She is a true, true ray of fucking sunshine. She's the person I find it the most stressful to not propose to every time I see her. I love her. I draw so much inspiration from her strength and from her relentless fucking optimism as an English person. I don't understand it, but I aspire towards it. And this podcast, we go through everything about how to build confidence, how to enjoy your body, how to fight back about the sizing of clothes, how to deal with your sexuality, how to deal with growing up in public. There's nowhere that she won't go and there is nowhere where she doesn't just shine light. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed having this chat with her. She's just great. We should all be more like Beanie Feldstein. I'm Jamila Jamil, and I'm in love with Beanie Fest. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Miss Jamila Jamil. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm very so... happy to be cozy on this couch with you. Same. I'm really happy <laughs> to see you. I haven't seen you in ages. Is the last time I saw you when we were on set together? I think so. 
So have we only met in person once? That seems wrong, but I think it might be right. So we met on set at, uh, on the set of How to Build a Girl, (laughs) which is your first leading role in a film. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very scary. And very I exciting. Teeny tiny, but very invasive part uh, <laughs> in that film. An amazing part. Um, I can't wait to see it. An incredible, an incredible moment. Do you find that to be a general thing that you get from acting as being able to try on all these different people and seeing if any of them resonate with you? Because I think as women from a young age, uh, a lot of us, even some, not even necessarily by our families, but almost via osmosis, get told by society who we're supposed to be, right. what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to behave, totally. what we should and shouldn't speak up about. And so it's hard, even with the best family ever, to know exactly who you are. Of course. The conditioning's coming from Disney. It's coming It's coming from everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I was a sociology major in college, so I'll spare you my whole, my whole thing. Your but whole it's stick, a, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the ideology that we're fed is so subliminal and it, it's not just your family can't control it as mm-hmm. you said it's like anytime you're driving in a car and you see a billboard anytime you're reading something anytime you're at school and your parents aren't in control of what's said to you or who's saying it etc um so there's no way we can avoid being a part of society it's just yeah. you know part of life but I feel like when I play different characters it's more like bringing out one side of myself that I maybe knew was there but like kind of pushing it to a to mm-hmm. a more intense degree. Um, like with Lady Bird, my character Julie was like kind of the warmest part of myself, I mm-hmm. think. And then with Booksmart, it was like the most intense side of myself. But both of those things exist within me. It was just like kind of pushing it to the, the farthest kind of do you change degree. After, do you change after projects a little bit? Do you notice a change? Do others notice a change in you after you take on a new skin? I don't think so. I The only thing I would say with How to Build a Girl was I felt much braver than when I started and that was like a really kind of empowering feeling and a scary and exciting feeling Mm -hmm. I think because I never really felt like someone who took risks I'm not a very like spontaneous person or I don't really like act outside of myself that much like I like rules and I like boundaries Mm -hmm. and playing Johanna and going on this ride that she takes I couldn't help but kind of have to put myself in situations that felt very outside my comfort zone in a very exciting way because they were obviously controlled and I felt very safe. Um, But then by the end, I was like, wow, I really... Even just moving to England and going to Wolverhampton and learning the accent, and I worked in a shop there uh, to learn the accent. Yes, for two, almost three weeks, I worked in a little store and I spoke in the accent the whole time, which couldn't be farther from my comfort zone because I'm not like method or anything like that. So I was just like... I was like, wow, Beanie, you like moved to a different country. You went to a city you had never been to. You pretended to speak like the, the locals and and you became kind of part of that community for a little bit, I hope. And and then just showing up to work every day and kind of going through what she went through, I felt much braver. So that was a really nice feeling. But I don't think it f- felt like she was a part of me. It was more just like that little aspect of her I, yeah. I decided to take. So does this come from a place of like, you know, what's your relationship with shame? It's mm, a good question. I think... Because there's a sort of, like, shamelessness. And shameless has been given a bad rep, which is crazy to me. Because yeah. actually being shameless is the only way to access your true humanity. Because right. what the fuck is shame? Right. Shame is not this helpful... Right, it's It's just a up. hindrance. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind know. of what we love about Caitlin Moran is that she doesn't really negotiate with shame at all no she's just like nope I don't know it's not for me exactly (laughs) and I it's so inspirational I think like it was 
I think that's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like just getting to even play a part of her was so inspirational in that way. Like you were saying, it just, it made me feel more fearless in a way that I think I often like don't consider myself that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I think it's shame is such a complicated subject. And again, it's also like so society, it's so like driven by society versus Mm -hmm. like real personal connection, I think. Um, It feels so macro to me versus like micro day to day. Um, But I try to live without it. I mean, it's, always it's not a perfect I don't have a perfect score but like I try to yeah to live kind of I just meant more like would the ability to be openness requires a certain either a decision to not acknowledge the shame that you have Mm -hmm. or it requires a certain shamelessness and I wonder if you always had that because that is so inspiring to me it's something I'm only just stepping into and I'm a little bit older than you (laughs) only a little a little bit I don't really feel like it's something that I've I've spent much time with in my Great. Thoughts. Let's not start thinking about it now. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to infuse you with shame. No, I just think that's really interesting. If anyone, did nobody ever curb your outspokenness? Has anyone ever in your life been like, okay, calm down? I mean, with the truth. I think when I was really young, I was, I was fearless and I was so outspoken and I was so stubborn and kind of in an incredible way, like very bossy and cool. opinionated. And then I think like my mid-teens... I sort of, I didn't want to ever, I think gratitude came in and like my, I kind of took a step back and I was like, I want to be very thankful for everything that I get to experience. So that in some ways, those two things battled each other because I didn't want to be like, this is what I want. It's how I want it. And then, but then I also wanted to be very thankful for those things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So all of a sudden they became kind of at odds with each other. And I think gratitude won. So I felt myself like looking back, I sort of backed off of myself like I became less outspoken and kind of whatever you want like people pleasing and now I'm sort of you found a balance I'm trying I'm trying I because I I admire that like that young like radical strength that I had as like a kid like a kid kid like eight nine ten and well, we're then, kind of born perfect yeah we bought we're born saying exactly how the fuck we yeah. feel like and asking that's it. for what we want yeah, like, <laughs> I've just shit my pants someone come and <laughs> exactly help me. I want that toy right now or I'm gonna scream <laughs> yeah I'm hungry now yeah, bitch exactly. give me your breast right now, now. please um, um, um it's usually not even a please. no no and so like obviously there's an element of that where it's like very demanding and not at all aware of other people's right. needs or boundaries <laughs> but I think there's such a, a an iconic beauty in like how honest we are it's like yeah. I feel lonely or I feel rejected yeah. or I need you we stop even saying those things. I know. By the time we're like in our maybe our teens, we develop right. like a shame around just saying, "Oh, I need, I need someone." Yeah. And I think that that's really sad. I, I, I'm spending my adult years trying to find a way back to that level of like complete honesty that yeah. I had as a baby. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's kind of irresistible when you are older and you're looking back on it. You're like that feels delicious and I want to have that again. Yeah. But it's hard to get to because it's, it doesn't always fit in with what we're told we're supposed to act like. No, it's the exact Adults, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think like... That's cool that no one's ever curbed that in you. Yeah, I think not, not a ton. I mean, my, my parents and my family and my school, they were always like really supportive. And I think, I always say like, my brother asked me once actually, like, how do you find your confidence? Because he didn't really feel the same way growing up. And I said, I think the gift of having a passion so young and also 
being just like uh, working really hard at being good at it, but also just like being lucky enough to like understand it and, and be fairly good at it gave me so much confidence. Like when I was on stage, I felt invincible and I grew mm-hmm. up doing musical theater and I just, I just loved it so much. And I had such a singular passion for it and worked so hard. And, and it just, I felt like I could do anything because I knew how, how much joy it brought me and that it would like make people laugh and make people smile mm-hmm. and clap and all of those things. And I think that was having that from the age of like four was really such a gift I see because it's like, here, let me like literally create an arena for you to build confidence. Is kind of yeah, how that's I incredible. It. I was going to ask you, what is it about playing these teenage girls that you're so drawn to? You play such iconic <laughs> roles as teenage girls. And I was wondering what it is that you're so drawn to. I think it's like, you know, with, with Lady Bird and with Booksmart, it was the portrayal of a true friendship and two di- very different friendships. But like, my friends got me through adolescence. You know, like your best, best, best friends are your family, the family that you choose and like my rocks and my crutch and my everything. So just, I'd never really felt like I'd seen those narratives played out before mm-hmm. in, in a way that honors them with such gravity and such love. And so much nuance. Because and complexity. We yeah, we exactly. don't show enough of that in women or, you know, we show girls who, in particular, we show the narrative of women who are in competition with each other. Exactly. Or who, you know, hate each other. Or, or one is the girl and one is the friend. And what does that even mean? Exactly. You know what I mean? And exactly. I think Greta's um, like beautiful writing of a best friend in, in my character, Julie, was so important because it valued that character as much as it valued Lady Bird's experience. For and in sure. some ways you're like mad at Lady Bird for, for, sure. for her treatment of Julie. And I think that really, like, celebrates her her loyal friendship that she had. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's an, it's an uh, kind of romantic storyline, if you will. Oh, that's the great, it's one of the great love stories of love our time. Love affairs, yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, that honoring of it is so special. And then with Booksmart, it is a true equal partnership. Those girls meet each other halfway and have each other so truly and it's a true two-hander yeah which I thought was so beautiful and it was so interesting on how to build a girl because I didn't have a friend and it's really the story mm. of a young teenage girl without friends which I also think is very important because not everyone is lucky enough to find their tribe that early on in life didn't have any friends till I was 19 yeah so, so I totally get it's it. It's important. So I felt like it was important to tell not only these beautiful friendship stories, but also explore what happens when you're kind of at it alone and mm-hmm. and what path that takes you down. Um, but I, the most beautiful thing is is when teenage girls come up to me on the street to answer your What do they question. say when they come up to you? It's often like two or multiple and yeah. they're just like, we felt like I'm the Molly and she's the Amy. And, and we, we feel, so, yeah, and it's just like, it makes me want to cry because it's so just what I wish I could have had when I was that age. What do you think, what do you look back on and think you most needed to know that you didn't when you were younger? Mm-hmm. I think, I think I was a very late bloomer. And, and In I, what way? Uh, it just, as far as like romance and intimacy, I think I was a very late bloomer and I wish that there were more narratives of that growing up mm-hmm. because I felt like every show was like at si- the second the teenage girl character turned 16 she was like mm-hmm. having a whole intimate romantic sexual whatever it was I didn't have my first kiss till I was 21 yeah. and the way that people respond to that is like I've just murdered someone on the street <laughs> they can't 
They can't like, get it around their heads. And I'm like, this is, I understand like a little bit of like, oh, but the level of surprise is so extraordinary and extreme that it makes me feel suddenly like, oh no, is there something wrong with me? And, and there fucking wasn't. Exactly. No, I just and wasn't so- ready. And also like, I'm so glad that I didn't have a, a you know, not to say there's anything wrong with having a first kiss at 12, but neither of you know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> braces like, are usually involved. Braces, there's, there's a yeah. washing machine uh, technicality to yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Whereas I actually highly recommend a late kiss and uh, I kissed someone who was like five years older than me <sighs> and he was glorious yeah, at kissing. Yeah, he knew what and was, it was up. Oh my God, it's a great teacher. Yeah. Uh, and it was so <laughs> calm and in my own time and I wasn't as afraid. Totally. But people used to taunt me so badly about it. People, uh, I remember on my 21st birthday, I was given like 20 copies or 21 copies of The 40-Year-Old Virgin by different people <laughs> that I knew who That's were all so like, you're going to die alone because you haven't kissed anyone by the age of 21. And then I was threatened by my friends that they were going to make which just shows the times, by the way, that they were going to make one of this guy that I was very unattracted to oh, kiss me Jesus. if I didn't find someone of my own to kiss. So that did, like, send me into a rush. And I'm just really lucky that the person that I did uh, kiss was great. Yes. But, oh, my God, don't do that to your friends. No, and it's also just, like, because there are no narrative, like, there are no narratives of that. Yeah. That are triumphant, complex, interesting, thoughtful, you know. Yeah, and just okay. Yeah. We don't just, hyper-normalize late bloomers. Exactly, and I think... So I think for me, that would have been really meaningful if I had seen something like that. I mm-hmm. think particularly because... Um, did I, you think there was something wrong with you? I don't think I felt there was something wrong with me, yeah. but I did feel different. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt less kind of a part of whatever that was. Did you ever lie when you were younger about having totally. been <laughs> Totally. Of course I did. I should have. I didn't. And so everyone thought I was a freak. But also I shouldn't have. And no, I'm glad that I'm I stuck so, to my like, guns. I'm but, so embarrassed that I lied. Oh like, God, I, I wish so I could have just kind of held my my truth. You know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't. And I was 13. So, you know. What did you say? I what just like, lied. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told someone that I kissed who this guy who is now my best friend. Who? Um, so it's okay. So it's like, fine. Because, did he cover for you? He didn't know, okay. but now he knows. Um, That's so funny. But it's just, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like so getting red. No, I know. I can see that you're <laughs> No, it's good. It's important. It's, it's important. Um, but it's I, so funny, though. And I, then also, like, now with, um, like, I'm in a relationship with a woman, I I feel like uh, it's I find it important to talk about, not because I'm in a relationship with a woman, but because... I didn't understand that that was a part of who I was until Mm -hmm. like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think the narrative is, which it is for a lot of people, true to to their experience, like a secret that is being kept Mm -hmm. and then let out at a specific time once they feel comfortable or ready in their society. Yeah. Which is very true for a lot of people. But for me, it was not a secret. I hadn't come to that conclusion yet. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was keeping anything from anyone. I was just like, haven't really thought about it, so I guess I'll kiss boys. And then I was like, yeah, it was like this thing where I, I just kind of assumed, because that's what society typically tells you, was like, I was just like, oh, I'll kiss boys and see how that goes. And I was never particularly... Fussed. Fussed. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I would use. And I was kind of like cold. I didn't care. Um, I wasn't that invested. And even with like, with people, with men that I really cared about and loved as people, when it became romantic, I was just sort of, like, ambivalent. It wasn't bad. It was just, like, I was just, like, well, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then when I came to the discovery that I was queer, I was very open and honest with myself right away because I was lucky enough to be in a society and in a community that Did you question it at first? Were you were like, oh, is this just friendship? Is this just... No, I think I was like... So you so you knew very quickly when you... When it came to me, yeah. Was it the person that you're now with who's yes. how you realised that yes. you are queer? Yes. Um, yes, and I think it just... Even if you take, uh, like, uh, even just the idea of, like, being romantic or sexual or intimate at all. I just even came to that late. So I think it just would have been really meaningful for me if I had had the ability to see or read or watch something that showed women or men or non-binary people being just late bloomers, just being coming to those conclusions a little bit later, maybe mm-hmm. in like the middle of college or after college or whatever it is. Um, because lots that, of things we don't prioritize, you know, like people prioritize different things when they're younger. Yeah. Some people don't realize their mental health struggles when they're younger and it all kind of comes later. We don't tease anyone about that. No. Some, and, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I was, I was never teased, but I think it was more just like the narrative is harder yeah, yeah. to understand um, versus like something that you've known for a long time that you've been keeping to yourself. Yeah. The narrative of like, no, I'm really just coming to this recently as an adult woman it or as an adult person is it's just less common of a narrative that to hear or see or read about or think about so I think that would have been meaningful for me and I think that's why I am so open about it because were you nervous when you came out publicly uh no I I didn't even like fully realize that I had done it (laughs) which it was the Instagram post no I think it was a Twitter post about jeans and it was, speaking of jeans, because we were talking about jeans before I we jeans. started rolling. Yeah. I, I we'll just, talk about this in a minute. But, but I, it was like, the patriarchy is so real that my girlfriend wears boyfriend jeans. And that's, I tweeted that and everyone was like, huh? And I was like, oh, because I had just been living and loving for a couple months at that. You know, mm-hmm. like it just never really crossed my mind. Um, so it was never something, again, like I'm very open and that's, feels real to me and feels honest to me. Mm-hmm. So it was never something that I was, like, thinking about or, like, made it... Uh, it wasn't, like, a big it wasn't statement. It, it, no, and, and if it is for some people, I completely and utterly understand that. And I do feel like what a gift. Like, I'm very privileged that I... It was not a struggle for yeah. me, and I know that. Um, but it, it never... Yeah, I just am, like, lover and just... If we take a nice picture, want to share it. But it's not, like, a... Um, a political statement to you in those moments. You understand, obviously, that it's... I feel so... There's a huge weight behind it, but... You know. I just... I think I just share because it would have been meaningful for me to see someone, or and it has been meaningful for me to see um, couples that look completely different and um, are of all different age, sexualities, etc. Mm-hmm. be open. I just think it's really beautiful. And it does, like subliminally help shift yes. society and so I think that sometimes it more than subliminally helps yeah. shift society like you saw Will and Grace changed America's perception of gay people 100% uh, beyond belief and Pose is doing that now around the trans community oh, so and good. the black queer community but yeah. you know it's that that expression so it's hard. if you can see it you can be it totally and I think it's hard because it's like I don't want to put any sort of like this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it but, and also I don't want to put any pressure on myself to be doing something specific but I do think it feels nice to be open because I love her so much and also 
it's more a narrative of like coming to those conclusions a little bit later that yeah. I think is um, kind of nice to be sharing because I never really saw anything like that. I also love how carefully you speak about it. You always acknowledge your privilege. You also always well, really acknowledge important. how lucky you are to have had like a family that never made you feel bad or ostracized about oh. it. And I can imagine that as one of the few young out people in your industry with this big limelight uh, and in such big films, there's so much buzz around you so much. You you are truly, I think, the most beloved young person in Hollywood <laughs> now. It. No, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And I've watched this rise happen so fast. Uh, and I'm so happy because you are exactly who, you know, what you say on the tin, like on the inside. You're <laughs> so you. wonderful to me. But I also imagine that some people, thanks, uh, some people kind of can look at queer people or brown women as a monolith and then try and make you the spokesperson right. has I'm there like, been any know. yeah exactly I'm just, I think I'm just that's figure, great again like I'm just figuring it out I'm just um all I know is that I like I'm in love and I I love being with her and I am so comfortable in myself and and in that that that's all I know but I do also like because of I don't know just who I am as a person and what I've studied in college and everything. Like, it is very important for me to acknowledge how privileged I am in so many ways, but particularly in this, because there's so many people that don't get the privilege of growing no, up in a family or a country countries. or, yeah. yeah. And so it is, it's, it's so easy for me to be like, and I just came out on Twitter and didn't even realize, but I also know the gravity of that is like huge, very real. And yeah. uh, how lucky am I that mm-hmm. I got to, to come out in a very safe way that didn't feel weighted. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're gonna get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't gonna take it personally and they're not gonna hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Another thing that I find you so glorious and delightful in is the fact that you are a curvier actress <laughs> in Hollywood and... Again, it doesn't seem to be a part of your identity or mm. persona. It's never something I even think about when I think about you. Like, I'd love how you are, like, finally we can see a woman just for who she is rather yeah. than just her skin colour or just her size yeah. or just her sexuality. Like, I remember when Kate Winslet came out, like, as in, not as in, was emerged in Titanic. All anyone could talk about was her weight. She was a size fucking six. Yeah. I was uh, like, what size? And people were like, she got naked in that film. No one could believe it. Bridget Jones's fucking diary. I love that movie, right? I love that movie. Yes. I think it's very funny. Yes. But I look back now and think there are elements of that film that are fucking psychotic <laughs> because of the fact that she's a slim woman who all the jokes are around her weight, all of the commentaries about her yeah, weight, it, it defines a, you know, everything. It's hard because it was a different time too. Sure. And at that time, and it I'm not did angry so much. Them. Yes, and I loved it. And and even seeing her representation, I remember as a teenager huh. going like, oh, thank God. And now yeah. I feel so seen because I was, you know, I was the same. I was bigger than her, but I was like, oh, I finally, there's someone yeah. who I can't just see ribs and, and yeah. she's curvy and, and it made me feel a bit more seen. But also now I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, I thought I was you know, big or, or right. deserving of fat jokes because that was so hyper-normalized. Yeah, so I'm not criticizing no, necessarily that I film. Understand. I know it's of the time, but it's that's what we were fed. Totally. And I feel like that's not happening with you, which makes me really happy. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot to me because it definitely is um, purposeful in some way. Mm -hmm. I think growing up, I was obsessed with musical theater. It was all I did. It was all I talked about. It was all I ever wanted to do. And because of that, I heard a lot of, uh, it came out around the time I was like 10, I think. But after it came out, it was like, have you ever played Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray? Do you want to play Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray? How about Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray? And I was like, I was so frustrated that that was the single only role that mm -hmm. people could see me in, in their mind's eye for musical theater where I was at that point 10 and 11 and playing any shape, size, age. You know, I played grandmas and 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 seven-year-olds and all of, and I just did anything I wanted because you're a kid doing musical theater. And I was like, why is this the single only role that people want to see me as? And it really frustrated me. And I kind of became this thing. And the thing is, I love the women that have played that role. And I think they're beautiful and effervescent and gorgeous mm -hmm. and funny and so talented. But I said to myself early on, I was like, this is never a role I'm going to play because she is a symbol of her weight, basically. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, she's like an embodiment of weight. And that is her main characteristic for people from the outside. If you actually watch the show, those new, those performances and the and the writing is so nuanced. Yeah, the women who played that role should have been able to play other leading roles. Exactly. Fundamentally, so and also have played her and, and she's, Sandy exactly, and she's so many other yeah. things other than her weight. But when people think about roles in musical theater, that's the only one that comes to them. Mm -hmm. And so it was really something that I was like, 
this is going to be a thing where I don't want to play women that are talking or this, their sole character trait is that uh, right? or one of their main character traits other is about their weight. Mm-hmm. I want to just play human women in the world. And that was very important to me. And I am lucky that I'm at a time right now where those roles are much more prevalent than they were before. And they're also being given to people of all shapes, colors, uh, sexualities, backgrounds, everything. But it still is a work in progress. It's still happening. But I do do take things very purposefully. And I don't, um, I just can't read something and have it all be about body because that's just not who I am. No, have you ever struggled with body image stuff? Yes. Okay, so when I was like 12, 13, things were not great. Like I I really struggled with my my body image and um I mean growing up I remember like I was really slow in PE. I've never been that athletic of a person and Same. this girl was like it's cuz your stomach's full of beans. That's why your name is Beanie. Like, you know, all the all mm-hmm. the horrible like Oof. bullying. God. And it really Got affected you. me and and people in my family and my friends' families had, like, perceptions of what I should look like and how I should eat and things like that. And it really, really affected me for a long time. And then, did it ever make you uh, give a sort of... Did it ever make you weaponize food? Because that happened to me when I was younger. I was about 11 when I got weighed in front of my whole school. I, I heard this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was oh like, weighed in front of my whole school, and that was it. Like, I suddenly realized overnight that it was a thing, and I immediately started thinking about diets and Googling diets and investigating them, reading little books, yeah. and I started to look at food as, like, food is love, food is comfort, food is anything but just fuel. Right. Did you ever go through that? I think definitely. I mean, there were different doctors and and people that wanted me to go on diets or eat a certain way. And and um, it always felt horrible to me. And it was something that I loathed and, and didn't like and would resist. And shopping was always kind of stressful. And, shopping and, for clothes. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. feeling like uncomfortable with like the, the options I had or the size I was wearing. And, and then at like, I think around 16... I just sort of like threw my hands up and was like, I started saying this thing, which is carried me through my whole like rest of my adolescence and into my adulthood, which is like, they either want the bean or they don't want the bean. And (laughs) the they can be anyone. It can be like. The bean uh, is also the clitoris uh, (laughs) in Australia. (laughs) So that's what I have in my head. To me, it's just me. (laughs) Not what I was going for. Not what I was going for. Um, but <laughs> I know that only because a friend of mine had sex with, her, with an Australian man who once was going down on her and he couldn't find it and he just like popped up to oh, my legs and went, Excuse me, love, but where's your bean? <laughs> Do I have to change my name now or what? So, I'm sorry. I'm God sorry. Damn God damn it. Um, <laughs> sorry, they either want the bean or don't want the bean. How the fuck did you come to that conclusion? I feel like I just came to that at 30. You know. How did you reach that at 16? Was there a thing that happened? I think it. it's, you know, if you kind of approach it from like a statistics point of view or like a soci, I don't know, like I, my academic brain kind of kicks in. And I'm like, the farther you, you are away from the norm, the harder or like, just like the more space between you and the norm, you just kind of feel less close to it. Like you feel less, you value it less. And so I think at a certain point I lived with this for so long, I was just like, 
I'm chubby. I'm never going to be that way. This is just who I am. And I like it. It suits my personality. It suits who I am. I love clothes. They look great on me. And that's just kind of it. And I think it was like, you know, a, a lot of my friends who are, are very thin and uh, beautiful as I mean, not thin because not beautiful because they're thin, but they're yeah. thin and beautiful say to me, like, you have such a great relationship to your body. Like, I wish I had that. And they are, in my eyes, like the epitome of what the, the norm Society, is. Yeah. But to them, they're so close to the norm, but they're not it in their own heads, in their own bodies, mm-hmm. in their own minds, that it plagues them. Whereas I'm far from it. And so it never, it never plagued me after a certain time because I was just like, this is just who I am and I'm just going to own it. Because I don't want to be that thing. It's, it's very far away. And it's uh-huh. not the thing that I want. You know, but if you think about it, it's like, if you're very, very close to something, it's very attainable. But if you're very far away from something, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, although and, anyone could feel that way. Like, you don't have to be very, very far away from something no. to just be like, you know what, I just can't be bothered to negotiate with this. So, okay, so I'm in a place where I don't, I, I don't necessarily love my body, but I don't really, I just don't really engage with my body. I'm mm. like, this is just my guy. Yeah. This is my guy. My guy takes me around, <laughs> breathes for me, lets me swallow cake. Yeah. Uh, you know, my joints are kind of working. <laughs> I, uh, I I can see and all these different like luxuries that yeah. I have. And I, I just appreciate every tiny little thing. Right. You know, I grew up deaf. And so now to be able to hear, it's just always mm. like every time, I, every time I listen to music, which is every day. Yeah. I Such an thank my body experience. for the fact yeah. that I can hear this music, well, yeah. especially when it's good music. Sometimes when like, you know, Pitbull or something is playing, I'm like, oh, I'm not that grateful right now, but still. What's, anyway. your, what's your call with Pitbull? I don't know. I just don't like Pitbull's music. I don't know what to tell you. I admire Pitbull's business acumen. <laughs> but. And taste in suits. Okay. Anyway, we'll. Um, But I I don't engage with my body, I guess, in an aesthetic way. I kind of practice body neutrality, which Mm. is just me just being like, I accept you. Whatever it is that you're doing, you do you, I'll do me, and we'll just go everywhere together. And I don't have to adore you. I don't have to look at you lovingly Mm. in the mirror. Where are you at? Are you like, I love my body? I'm just sort of like... A bit like me. Yeah, well, I think Just like, this is... This I'm is just sort of like my body. Also, I just this always is my friend. Yeah, I'm like sh- she's cool. Yeah, she's like it's totally cool. You also are like not to objectify you, but unbelievably gorgeous. <laughs> oh like God. I find As you, I find you so gorgeous in every way, Thank and you. I love. Feeling is so mutual. I love looking at pictures of you. Is that weird? <laughs> I love lo- <laughs> so it. Like, nice. It releases endorphins <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> Uh, I'm so honored. And so I feel like this love that you have on the inside does radiate out of you. Aside from the fact that you have fucking big green eyes, you bastard. And, uh, they used to and be brown. They look, general, they've morphed. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Why, <laughs> Why is green better than no, brown? No, it isn't. I just love green eyes. Okay. It's my favorite color. Um, but you always, like, here's the thing. You're always going to want what you don't have. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my brothers and my nephews and my dad have blue eyes. I think blue eyes are so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But I don't have them. No. And I have great eyes. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. what's, why waste, as you said exactly. with Jillian, why waste the time, exactly. right? It's just like, but I do think like, I, you know, I do try to like really work on trying to help sort of shift the people around me to think about what they're saying around bodies. Because mm-hmm. same when I, I was doing Hello Dolly for a year and 
It was a musical. My costume weighed like 20 pounds, eight shows a week. And without realizing it, I guess the pounds just dripped off me. I didn't think about it literally at all. Wasn't trying, wasn't a part of my thought process or didn't change the way I ate, nothing. But just if you do that consistently enough, that's the result. It's like any sport. Yeah. And I had one week off and I went back to LA and all I heard for seven days, my only seven days off was, you look so good. You look so much better. You look so much better. You look so good. What did you do? You look so good. Mm. How, how much better do you look? And I was like, what? Like, I just didn't. And then I understood what they were saying. And it's so it weird, was the so, coding of ugh, that language. It was so infuriating to me. And I wrote this piece for Refinery29 that was about it. It's called Please Stop Complimenting My Body. And it's just about, like, when we tell people that they look better because they're thinner. Do you understand what rhetoric you're producing? Exactly. And it's so damaging. And I actually felt worse because all of a sudden I felt on display. I felt like a mannequin in a museum and or like at a shop, like waiting for people to look at me. Whereas like normally I'm just bopping about my day being me with the bod. Like it's all fine. Yeah. And, and it just, also sets an expectation that maybe you didn't feel, but for some people it sets an expectation of like, did they think I looked bad before and now do I have to maintain this aesthetic 100% that's what they're saying seed in your mind of course through their language that's what they're saying and it's also saying that they've been tracking me this whole time which I hate and freaks me out makes me feel very spooky and so I wrote this thing and I and I had such a beautiful response to it not just from people who have struggled with their weight I've had a lot of a lot of people that have been sick say to me people tell me I look so much better and in fact I'm ill and they don't know that I'm Mm -hmm. like the response has been across the board from so many different people in different walks of life and going through different experiences. Very, very meaningful to me because I just was like, we need to not give, why does society give everyone permission to comment on each other's bodies? There is a difference between saying that skirt is so beautiful and, oh, you look so much better in that skirt than I thought Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, or even like you look good in that skirt because it shows off your legs or whatever the comment is. It's like, just say you look beautiful today. Not because of one specific thing that your leg looks slender or your ankle looks skinny or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's all so coded. And it's, it was really frustrating to me. And I think it was interesting when we did How to Build a Girl because I was coming off of Hello Dolly. And I was still, um, like for me, my like towards my, like the smallest I've been in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And the character is a big girl. And they reference sometimes that she's a big girl. And it was so interesting for me because I was the thinnest I've been since I was like a child. And it was so interesting because I was like, even now, this is sort of the Hollywood version of what being big looks like. I was like, I'm actually the smallest I've been in in decades. Mm -hmm. And yet this is still kind of seen as big. And then that's even, you know, like interesting. and, And it just was so fascinating to me. Like who... These lines are so arbitrary. And the film is so triumphant in saying that that doesn't matter and who gives a shit and her body is her body. And it's it's not the narrative of the film that's saying that, but it's characters in the film that you're supposed to be mad at that say that. And I think it's just so interesting because... Yeah. The narrative of the film tries to combat that ideology, but it is like so prevalent. It's inherent, it's everywhere. I um I was filming something uh once where they were supposed to describe my character as uh someone was gonna sort of objectify me and be like, uh, or I think I was supposed to objectify myself or something and call myself slim and beautiful as an arrogant uh sort of 
moment. And one of my uh, co-stars at the time uh, on that set was like, oh, we should probably take out the word slim. And they didn't mean it in a cruel way. It was sort of just like came out of their mouth. There's like a, oh, we should probably take out the word like thin. I think that was it. I referred to myself as thin. And I was immediately like, I'm a, A, I'm a size six, but also that's crazy that you just said that out right. loud because you, A, look at my body type that is, a, you know, it's a it's a six. Yeah. And you're like, that's not my idea of thin. And then you've objected to it out loud publicly on a microphone. Oh, it like makes my chest tight. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, I wasn't offended. No. Because I've come to a point where I'm just like, I, I'm so unable because I have body dysmorphia. I'm so unable to even contemplate my body that I don't even care. It's abstract to me. Right. My body is a Picasso, right? You know, so I don't know what, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I was more amazed by the hyper-normalization of that objectification where I was like, Jesus Christ, this is still really an issue yeah. even now. And that was just a couple of years ago. It's so, it's so I'm interesting. I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's oh, no, really... it's fine. I'm no, fine. but yeah. it's, it's not fine. You're fine, but it I'm wasn't fine. fine. Yeah, no, it's definitely not fine. Yeah. That's kind of why I have all these conversations I people, with people so often, by the way, because the number of like, women that I love and I do it too that are like I'm fine it's fine it's fine and it's like you are fine because you're strong but yeah. it wasn't fine whatever yeah. the it might be it's yeah. I think it's a nice like kind of I think that's a great way of putting it because that also says something needs to shift and something needs to right. change like you're okay because you're strong but something else I love is that uh, uh when I see curvaceous women happy publicly that is something we need so much more representation of because I found it really interesting a couple of years ago I got sort of fat shamed because I'd gained maybe like I was maybe 200 pounds or something I don't know like I was uh, on medicine and I was eating loads of cake and I was having a fucking brilliant time I loved everything I ate um and I had the money to eat really well so it was just really fancy delicious food that I've always dreamed of being able to afford to eat and I was criticized for it so much and what was interesting because I didn't really care I fought back that was the sort of the beginning of me just being like okay yeah fuck you yeah but the pictures were really interesting Mm. so all the pictures that anyone would publish of me were always like me on my own walking somewhere with like a sort of solemn expression but, and they would never catch me when I was ready for the photograph. It was always when I wasn't ready for the or, photograph. or yeah. like. Re- does it, whereas when, I, when I'm thin, photographers will speak to me so respectfully. They'll, they'll let me put my bag down so I can pose like in my outfit properly and smile. They'll ask me to smile. And those are the pictures that will be published. And I was like, God, I hadn't noticed until oh. now the narrative of like, actually, when those really thin pictures are taken, I was thoroughly anorexic, like crazy anorexic, zero sex drive, not happy, always thinking about food, always thinking about how much my hips are jutting out, like totally insane. Hi. And in the pictures that were taken when I'm fat, I was happy I was having so much sex. I was uh, doing the best I'd ever done in my career. Yeah. My friendships were the healthiest I've ever had. Yeah. My my health was actually the best it had ever been. I was yeah. I was thriving, yeah. but you could never have known that from the way that the photographs painted out our society. Yeah. And so it's so important for women of different sizes to show the truth of like yeah. how we feel inside and you are just fucking thriving you're in love your career is insane right now thank you you have your first like big starring role coming out this year with how to build a girl yeah you're going to the oscars i'm going to the oscars 
You're going to the Oscars. I know. I'm presenting at the Oscars. I know. It's really nutty. I know. I think, like, also that that also is kind of, not to bring it back to How to Build a Girl on Purpose, but, like, genuinely, one of the reasons that I love that movie and that script and I love the experience of making that Mm -hmm. movie and playing Johanna was, like, she, I mean, she goes through such a journey, as you know, because you've read it. And, but she is so full of life Mm -hmm. and even when she's morose or she's down she still is so optimistic Mm -hmm. her optimism kind of knows no bounds and that was kind of the connective tissue I felt between me and her and even when she's like hit in the face at school with a book or like you know like things happen to her like it's not easy for her but she like picks herself up and she keeps going yeah, and she pushes on boundless she pushes back. yes she pushes back and on and with boundless optimism mm-hmm. and I just love that and there's so much hope in that and that was so inspiring to me so it just feels I don't know it's not like I'm choosing to be happy and then sometimes I'm I'm really I really struggle because I've had tragedy in my life but I think like I it just feels it's just who I am I think I'm inherently you're living a very natural life I just think I'm inherently um optimistic and positive. I love that. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Talk to me about clothes. Now, I love clothes. All my comments on you are just, you have no permission to kill us with these looks. Uh, <laughs> you are so fucking stylish. I love everything Thank that you, you wear. I love the way that you dress yourself. But we were talking earlier about yes. the frustration of the fact that only really now are we starting to find more variety for different bodies. Like, I can't find a sim- single sample. So I'm a six. I can't find a single sample that ever fits me everything has to be completely restitched and added and like a like big panels have to be added and so I know that anyone over a six for most designers is just like forget about it it's it's really it is nutty and it's nutty because we've come so far in such a short amount of time I think even like two years ago Mm -hmm. we've come so far but there is still so much farther to go also I think everyone paid attention to the fact that two years ago Kristen Siriano expanded his sizes and tripled his income yeah no one, even so, even if it's just money for a business is power. Decision, that's fine. Just do the thing that is good for business. Yeah. Do you know it's how many like to leave people out? Do you, do you know how many people, not just women, but men, non-binary people, want to feel good and have variety in what they're wearing? Yeah. Like, it's just as simple as that. Um, but I love clothes. My mom was a costume designer and a stylist, and is the most fabulous human being you'll ever meet. Mm. And so I grew up such a visual house. My, actually my staircase in my house is all leopard. My parents' staircase is all leopard. Um, And my mom was just this, this, 
this personification of style and trend and Mm -hmm. she's just effortless and fabulous and she's just like a queen and clothes are how she uh, expresses herself herself, like to the nth degree and so I sort of grew up thinking like I'm nothing like her because I'm I'm not but I always enjoyed clothes I, I I wasn't as like bold or trendy or radical as she was, but I always enjoyed clothes and I was with her so much at her fittings that I I just grew up around clothes. And, you know, I think what's been hard for me in the past couple of years is I sort of fluctuate between a 14 and a 12, which is interestingly enough, normal size and plus size, Mm -hmm. which is such an interesting thing because depending on the month, the year, whatever it is, like I'm either able to shop at uh, regular, I don't even know what the right word is, like standard size stores Mm -hmm. or... um, Straight sizes, I think. Straight sizes, interesting. Um, (laughs) Or um, I shop at plus size stores. I'm really, I'm literally like on the edge at all times, like just depending on the day, time of the month, anything. And it is really interesting because people often ask me like, what is it like to be plus size? Do you identify with plus size? And I'm always like, I don't even know if I am. And it doesn't matter to me at all. But it is interesting because the access to clothes in that kind of middle of the two is actually very small because it's, it's kind of a lost zone between like the top of one and the bottom of another. Um, And the top of one, there still isn't anywhere near enough variety. No, and I think... And it's so dumb. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I I just feel so lucky because I found Erin Walsh, who's my stylist, at a time that I really needed her. And she is the most joyous, loving, compassionate woman in the fashion industry. And she is so on this journey, the two of us together, to make clothes and to curate clothes that I just feel so confident in and so good in. And, but it's also hard because sometimes they make things for me that actually aren't available for women my size. And that's so hard because how lucky am I to get to wear that? But also if I wasn't in my position, I would want to have access to that. And it doesn't exist because they made it for me. You were telling me you went into a jeans store. Well, you went into Madewell. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) You went into Madewell. Uh, and we both love Madewell. We love Madewell. Such comfortable jeans. Um, but now they're doing XL. Now they have way extended sizes. Yeah, yeah, they're way extended Within a sizes. couple of years, I'm telling you, yeah. like in the last two years. I think exactly. their jeans go up to like a 37 or something like that. Right. Um, but you had a sort of uh, an incident. That's in maybe Madewell. a tantrum. It was a tantrum. Okay. Um, <laughs> like three years ago, I went into my local Madewell. In Flatiron and, or Union Square. And I was like, hey, can I try this on an XL? And they were like, oh, it's only online. And I was like, but I'm, I want it. I'm trying I'm to, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I'm a large or an extra. So I'd like to like try them all on. They're like, well, we could order it to the store. You have to pay they to have order one it. single XL in any color in the store. In the store. And I was like, why? And I started getting like, not ups- like jokingly upset, but I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm here. I want to try them both on. You make them already. Like, 
I just, have money just, to spend on I them. want to spend the money. Just let me spend the money. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me do it. And they were like, we really hear you. And then I walked in. Like, I went to film something. I came in a couple months later. And that same girl that had been helping me was like, Beanie, Beanie, they, they did it. They've added all the sizes to the store. Yeah. And I was like, high five. I mean, a, a little change. Yeah. And now I think they have way more sizing that they still only some of it's online and some of it's in store. So they're, they're getting there. And I really appreciate that they're working yeah. on it but again there's still like farther to go but I think it really is just insane to think that for, to my understanding also the most common size in the U.S. for women is like 14 or something mm-hmm. like that so it's 14, like the, 16 I think the most common size is not available in stores which is just like doesn't make any it's sense it's such bad dumb business that it makes people <laughs> physically sick. yeah it just doesn't make any sense so I think and also like what I was saying about um trying to like gently persuade my friends and family to change their wording um I was with someone recently and they were like, oh, that looks so good on that person because clothes just hang off them. And I was like, and they were like, what? And I was like, clothes look great on me. They do not hang off of me. And she was like, you're so right. And I was Mm -hmm. like, we need to stop saying that. And I love clothes. I think I look really good in clothes, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm 5'1", and I'm a size 14. Like, I'm not the size of or the shape of that clothes are built for. I also feel like if a designer can't design for more than just one body shape, they are not talented. <laughs> You're not talented if you can't design totally. for a variety and of I've bodies. I've been so lucky that I have had exquisite pieces made yeah. by Oscar de la Renta and Miu Miu. I mean, like, how lucky talented, am I? But also, but they they're so to- talented, but also I just feel like it's it's important for people to see beautiful artistry through fashion on every type of body. Agreed. And it just is important. I, I think it's important. And also it's just something that I really love and I yeah. think feels really fun and joyous to me. It is. It's, um, it's art. You're yeah. going to wear art. I love that you speak out about this. Yeah. I love that you wear these clothes. I hope one day we get to have a clothing line together. Yes. But all different sizes and people who and are in wheelchairs and <laughs> yes. like every everyone should be at the party yeah. and everyone should look fucking 100%. glorious. 100%. I completely agree. I'm excited. Maybe you'll be a designer or something Ooh. after this or at least a creative My dream, I think, is this doesn't have anything to do with anything but like to a nail polish line. That would oh, really sure. be... My nails are a little chipped, don't look. Yeah. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do this to myself? But um, no, I think that would be really fun. I've always wanted to do like a hair accessories situation because I love hair accessories. Yeah, but also you should have a full fucking yeah, clothing, clothes, the whole shoes, bag. everything. I Underwear. don't buy so much of the shit that I see you wear, but also <laughs> some of it sometimes isn't even sold in my size. Yeah, I'm a large in most stores that I walk around in, like, and that's the biggest size. Yeah, I walked into like Marge recently. Is that how you say it, yeah, Marge? I, I think, and I couldn't fit into their bigger shorts. No. And I was like, guys, I just think that some of the most fashionable people I know are not a, a sample size. I mean, most mm. of the fashionable people I know are not a sample size. And I think we should just all have. I mean, like, what is this journey through life about? It's about like being able to have access to the things you want to do, whether it's like telling your story or wearing a certain garment or any of those things. And I feel like it's just about having the access to do those things. And if you don't have the access to a variety of different clothing and you're stuck within the parameters of like three different stores, whereas everyone else gets like hundreds, it's just a disadvantage and it's not fair and it's inequality. And I think I'm all about 
telling the stories of people that haven't been able to tell their stories and representing those stories. And that's so meaningful for me, but also just in your day-to-day life, you're like, I want to express myself this way, but they don't make it. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. No, it's insane. Yeah. Well, keep shouting about it. And okay. So what's next for Beanie Fromstein? Um, well, How to Build a Girl is going to come out in the world, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to turn 27 mm-hmm. this year, which feels like mature yeah. <laughs> in a fun way. Full woman. Um, I feel like that's when you truly become an adult, by the way. Is in that my true? opinion, I thought it I was 21 like and I didn't know shit. No, it's not 21. I can't believe how much shit I didn't know at 21 when I thought I was an adult and I was being treated like an adult, but I felt like a child. Thir- 27, 28, 29 is when you start to feel like, uh, oh, oh. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yes. This makes way more sense. Yeah. Even then you feel like more of a team but it just <laughs> it's a it's a grounding time where you get to really yeah. become the woman that you want yeah. to be or the person that you want to be Ooh, that's exciting. so I'm excited for thank you thank you so before you go would you tell me what you weigh I weigh um being a very loyal compassionate friend daughter sister aunt I'm trying to think of what else I am you weigh... No, no, no. I was trying to think of it like I'm any other girlfriend. Yeah. Um, I weigh being a very hard worker and approaching work with a lot of gratitude, but also a lot of um, intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, I weigh being a feminist. I weigh uh, supporting mental health issues. I weigh... Uh, what else? Loving vanilla cake with rainbow sprinkles madly being an obsessive um i i weigh being a gilmore girls fan (laughs) i weigh uh i weigh my recent rediscovery of reading and how much i love reading and welcoming that back into my life i weigh my stubbornness even though it drives me crazy sometimes i own that it is a part of myself um I weigh my fear of authority. <laughs> That's a real part of my life that I'm trying to accept is a part of who I am. Yeah. And I weigh loving dogs but hating cats. Oh, fine. And I have to own that I hate them. Yeah. It's, well, you're allergic to them. I'm That's okay. very allergic to them. So it's like created a thing. What else? No, that's that's enough. Okay, good. Yeah. I think you weigh a beautiful amount. Thank you. I also love that you talk about mental health. Do you have therapy? I just came from it this morning. Great. <laughs> also, my mom has a really beautiful organization called Your Mom Cares, which is all about moms banding together to change the narrative around children's mental illness to celebrating mental wellness and removing the stigma from it, especially for kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. We will definitely investigate that. Yeah. Can I talk to your mom sometime? Um, it would literally be her dream. But okay. I think Great. watching her and, and supporting her through her organization has been really special. Incredible. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for coming and being so almost overwhelmingly delightful. Oh, my uh, gosh. You're thank so... you for what you do. And thank you for creating a community where people, people feel free to kind of value the most important things in life which is what it's all about I and think. thank you for sharing your a your talent with the world but your sunshine with the world it's so thank important you. it's such a, like a weird dark time where we seem to be so much more drawn to the sad stories and that's because there isn't the the happy stories aren't told enough and yeah. you have a I'm not saying you haven't had tragedy within your life but you're a you are 
a happy, hopeful story. Thank and you, you give me loads of hope and inspiration. So nice. And I'm really happy that I get to be alive when you're alive oh, and see you out in the world. Thanks for coming. This was so lovely. Thank Love you. you. Love you too. A quick thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Uh, Kimmy Lucas, my producer, and Sophia Jennings, who is also one of the producers on the podcast. A big thank you to my boyfriend, James Blake, who I forced to make the theme tune for this. And uh, I love it very much. And uh, I'd like to thank myself. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because <laughs> my charcoal mask. Great. Because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh. Why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello. Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.